Thank you, ladies. It seems that the songs were just for me this morning. Leaning on Jesus, Run to Christ, a new song, and it sounded beautiful as you guys sang it. Thank you for that. Uh, certainly, I need that, and, and you do too. But I especially need that today. Uh, we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at this passage and from it see what God reveals to us. Uh, as, as you're looking, I just want to look to the Lord in prayer. Father, I am leaning on you today. I am at your feet and asking that you will fill me, present to those that are listening something that will be a benefit for them today. And if there's somebody here that's never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, I, I, I beg you to work on their heart to the point where they will yield and say, forgive me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for me, please. I, I pray that might take place this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we had the privilege of having Seth and Crystal and, and their kids. And, of course, we had uh, Meow. We, we still call her Meow. She was from China, uh, four years old, and she didn't get to go to Spain because they wouldn't allow her to get into the country. And so uh, she came right from, from China to here to stay with us. And she didn't know any English before. And in the course of being with us, she learned English. And she was, uh, she, she's a typical four-year-old, I, I know, but even more so in that, why you do that? Only it was, why you do that? Why you do that? Uh, why, why you do that when we would pick up a fork to eat food? Because she still ate with chopsticks. All she knew was chopsticks. And those little chubby hands would hold those chopsticks, and she could eat just as fast as the rest of us. Uh, why you do that? Why you do that? Uh, and she would ask when I was shaving, why you do that? Why you do that? Because Seth kind of has this, the, the scruff look. And so, why you do that? When uh, I'd start a fire out in the fire pit so we could sit around and enjoy the evening. Uh, why you do that? All these things that she had never experienced before in her life, in an orphanage, with lots of other little kids. And so, she wanted to know, why you do that? Why? Do we do what we do? Why, Paul, 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 why did you do what you do? And in 2 Corinthians, he says, this is what I do, and this is why I do it. And he says, I, there are five things that I do, and I will tell you why I do these five things. And so if you're taking notes, uh, you know, some people take notes and they they, they come out with better outlines than I have. If I would have just had that outline before I preached, it would have been a big help. But uh, so if you want, there are five things, and then why do I do each of these things here? He says, uh, 
this is what I do, and he actually starts in verse 9, but we already looked at those two verses. I'm going to read them again. Wherefore, we labor, but he could be saying, wherefore, I labor, that we're, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's talking to believers here. Only believers will stand before the judgment, the Bema seat, the reward seat, where we receive rewards. Um, for we all, all Christians, must, unbelievers, they later will stand before the great white throne judgment uh, seat. Uh, that's in, in Revelation you know, 19 and, and 20 in there. And that's a very sad time. But... Uh, this is not to be a sad time. Now, it might be sad, and there probably will be some tears, but it's a award time. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. That's, remember last week, he talks about this body. We've got a possibility of three bodies. I'm hoping that the Lord comes, and then I'll only have two bodies, this body and the new glorified body. But... Uh, he talks about the, the second body, possibly, as the one that Paul is living in now, and he considers that naked. Uh, he's in between the two. He's, he's got some kind of a transitional body. But uh, he was hoping, he was groaning earnestly to see Jesus Christ appear so he wouldn't have to experience the physical death. And that's the way it is for us. So we, we pray that God might come today, I pray, now. Right now. Uh, so, then in verse uh, 10, Receive the things done in this body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, or good or worthless. Wood, he, and stubble is what he's describing here. And he, he mentions that in first Corinth, his letter to Corinth, the first one that he wrote in chapter 3. So, uh, Paul, why do you do what you do? And I might say the same, Dave, why do I do what I do? Or you, why do you do what you do? Have you figured that out, why we do certain things? Uh, people today aren't necessarily thrilled about doing certain things or being told that you need to do that. Uh, and, and we say, well, no, we're living in a period of grace, and we are. But there are things, Paul was as well, there are things we do, but not because we are commanded, we've got to do them. And then Paul goes on to explain that. So, so Paul, why you do that? Why you do that? Huh? He says, well, this is what I do. Number one, in verses 9 and 10, we just read those. I respond to Christ's rewards. I respond positively to Christ's rewards or Christ's affirmation. People respond to affirmation. But he says, I labor uh, because I respond to Christ and, and he is going to reward us for what we do in the body and in the flesh. Uh, we respond to those things. I, I, I wrestled in, in college and I wrestled because a guy came up to me and said, you need to be on the wrestling team. Now, 
He didn't know that I could not wrestle. I'd never wrestled before in my life, but it was Coach Hayswinkle. And he and his brother, twin brother, had uh, wrestled in the Olympics several years. They were all state, all nation for a number of years here in the United States, wrestled all around the world, wrestled in the Olympics, did really well in the Olympics. And he came up and said, I'm the, the coach, the wrestling coach. Dave, I think you need to be on the wrestling team. And, uh, you know, a terrible, terrible season. <laughs> uh, I, I, there was one thing I could do, and that was lose weight. And, and so I, I, I said, well, I can do that. So just so you have somebody to suit up and go out there, uh, what weight do I need to be? And so uh, I, I went from 150 pounds down to 134, and I wrestled the season at 134 just because nobody else wanted to lose that much weight. That's all I could do. I couldn't wrestle, but uh, I wanted to be accepted of him. But this word labor means I wrestle, I toil. This isn't going to be easy And Paul recognized it, and of course, he toiled through things that we will never, well, maybe never, have to experience. Uh, All of the things, and he lists the things that he suffered because he was laboring for Jesus Christ, and he took it seriously. Why? Why do you do that? To be accepted of Christ. It says here in verse 9, the last part, so that we may be accepted of him, to please him. That's what he's saying. To please Jesus. That's why I do this. I'm, uh, uh, Paul is saying, I am preaching to an audience of one. The violinist, and the, the old story, the violinist that gets up on the stage in front of thousands of people, but he plays to an audience of one. God, his Savior, Jesus Christ. When I preach, it ought to be. I'm preaching to an audience of one like Paul was doing. Maybe you answer phones. Answer phones to an audience of one. Sell something to an audience of one. Uh, Teach something to an audience of one. Or maybe the, the person says, I stand for the national anthem because out of respect for the military and for an audience of one, Jesus Christ. Are we willing to, to toil for that? Uh, so Paul says, I, I respond to the rewards. I, I respond to be uh, uh, pleasing to God, accepted from God. I, I was teaching uh, this past week, teaching uh, Brandon and Zach how to weld and just letting them weld and put things together, scrap metal together. And when I would say, hey, that's a pretty weld. You got a good weld on that one. You know, you know we just respond to that, don't we? And they were sticking things together, made some great lawn displays. Uh, if their parents will let them put it in the lawn, but I don't know. Or on their dressers or something, but... They, they, to, to please someone. We respond to that. And so we, uh, we respond to the attaboy. Or we respond to a smile on a person's face. Or we respond to gain a crown, is what Paul 
is saying. We respond to be given greater responsibility during the millennial reign of Christ. And yet a lot of people don't realize that we will reign with Jesus for a thousand years on this earth and the positions that we hold will be determined by our short years here in this life. Now, if, if you see me in glory, sweeping a street, I hope you forget that. Uh, but that might be where, where I am. It, it was, is it wood, hay, and stubble? And are my motives pure? And, and Paul had to face that. But uh, to labor, to toil. Old-timers would say, get some holy gumption. I didn't know what gumption was when I'd hear those evangelists say that, but get some holy ambition. And then they'd say, you know, mamby-pamby mamby, Christians. I don't know what a mamby-pamby is, but you older people probably heard that. Um, some, some Christians just want to get to heaven. I just want to get to heaven. I, it doesn't matter if I get a crown. I just want to get to heaven. Well, that's not Paul. So, Paul, why are you toiling? Because, he says, uh, I respond to rewards of Christ. We all respond to that. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, I beg of you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifices. Uh, that word sacrifice is not a word we want to think about, but Paul says living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, being, being pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service or just the thing that should come naturally. It, it, it's obvious, just do that. You ought to, to be acceptable to God. So respond to affirmation or reward, Paul says. That's what I do, to be accepted of him. And also, verse 10, because someday I'm going to appear before him at the judgment seat. I will be revealed. That word appear means to be revealed they're uh, uh, exposed at the judgment seat. It's at the judgment seat we will be rewarded. We will be recognized for what we've done upon this earth. We will be reckoned. Uh, our sin will be reckoned. or our, Not our sin. Our sin is already taken care of. Our wood, hay, and stubble will be burnt up. Things that we've done in the flesh. Uh, Paul, what else do you do? First of all, you know, you uh, respond to reward. Uh, secondly, Paul, Paul says, okay, here's the second thing I do in verse 11, verse 8. Uh, verse, uh, the first part of verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So secondly, Paul says, I reach out to the lost. He, why? Why do you do that? Well, because two reasons here. He says, knowing, because I know the terror of the Lord. Now, what does that mean, the terror of the Lord? I mean, should we be terrified by the Lord? It means two things here. Knowing what an unbeliever is going to experience in his future 
I persuade men. There's a real hell out there, and I don't want to see men go there. I don't care if he's my enemy. I don't care if he's, he picked up stones and, and stoned me there. Uh, Elystra, I, I don't care. I want to see them in glory. I don't want to see them experience the terror of the Lord. Uh, I said last week, I think, sometimes we live like we're all going to heaven. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Just different roads going up there. Believe whatever you want. Believe in reincarnation. Believe in it doesn't matter. Uh, you're going to get to heaven. No, there's a terror that people will face if they reject what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that's why Jesus said, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. None of us can earn our way to heaven. None of us can, can uh, study a, uh, a book or a Bible or whatever enough to get to heaven. It has got to be through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Coming to him and saying, I am a sinner. I deserve the terror of God. Yet because you died for me, I accept that. Because I've called upon the name of the Lord and I am saved. And so when we stand, be, if we stood before Christ, and I ask this question often to those that uh, I, I wonder about their, their eternity, and I say, what would you tell Jesus if he asked you at the gate, why should I let you into heaven? Most of the time I hear, I've been a pretty good guy. I have lived a good life. And I don't say this, but I think this. If that is your basis of salvation, you'll experience the terror of the Lord. And the answer is because I ask you to save me, and I believe that you did, that you forgave my sin. But it's all him. It isn't, it isn't me. So reach out to the lost. Why? Because there's a terror that they will face. But this also has the meaning of, like in the Old Testament, it talks about the fear of the Lord. Uh, often, the fear of the Lord. Fear the Lord. Respect the Lord. Recognize that He is God. Don't take Him flippantly. Because He has the power to send down the lightning. And though He does not do that because He is long-suffering, He certainly could. And so out of reverence for Christ, that's why I reach out. Because uh, that's God's mission. God's mission, and he's given it to us uh, to fear the Lord and do his mission. What is his mission? To expose to men that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Expose man's condition. All of us. And the wage of that sin is death. That's why the terror is there. And uh, then to, to recognize man's limitation. He cannot do it on his own. To recognize the love of Jesus and that he died for us. And to recognize his provision, eternal life. And so, why do you reach out, Paul? Well, because of my respect for Christ. Because of the terror of the Lord for those that do not uh, receive him, because of the light of Christ. Look at the last part of verse 11. 
but we are made manifest unto God. That word manifest is being drug into the light. We are drug into the light. Uh, I, we're having troubles with our hot water heater, and, and so I was down there trying to adjust it and, and to see those itty-bitty numbers and uh, down on the dial, I needed light uh, to reveal uh, what, so what I couldn't see without the light and a little screwdriver and making adjustments, and, and I, I failed at that. I did not. It, it's still cold showers for a while. But uh, because of the light, we are made manifest, revealed to God, brought into the light. And he says, uh, even my conscience, we get down there, verse 11, I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. It's made manifest in my conscience. I hope it's made manifest in your conscience as the light of God will shine on your conscience and expose your motives is really what he's talking about here. Paul's motives, his conscience, but to expose the consciences of those at the church of Corinth. God does that. He wants our motives to be pure. Uh, why do you do that? Why do you reach out to the lost? It is because... Uh, uh, my conscience tells me I need to do that. And your conscience ought to as well, he says. So I respond to reward. I reach out to the lost. Oh, and reaching out to the lost, why did he do that, the, the last part? Because of our testimony. Verse 12. For we command not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. He says, we uh, reach out to the lost. We do what we do because we don't want to embarrass you. He says, we're leaders here in the spiritual world, Paul was. We don't want to embarrass you. Have you ever had anybody say, you embarrass me? Uh, does, it, does it rip your heart out? Paul says, we don't want to embarrass you. We want you to understand why we're doing this. I remember a lady came up to me, and it was years ago, and it was not here. She came up to me and said, uh, you're an embarrassment to this church. Now, here's the reason behind it. Uh, I didn't spit on the platform like I did a few weeks ago. That, uh, that wasn't it. But she was into buying gold and silver, and because we sold a building in St. Paul and moved to, to South Minneapolis, we had extra funds. And she said, you've got, to, you, you've got to buy gold with that. And I said, you know, it's not our money. And, uh, and we, we, we've decided we don't want to do that. Now, in her mind, that was the best investment we could make with God's money. And because I didn't believe, I didn't uh, do what she felt I ought to do, I was an embarrassment to the church in her eyes. And that, that hurt me. Uh, and there are, there are people that can be embarrassed uh, about decisions that we make. And that's a, that's a, an individual decision that they have to make. 
And so uh, Paul says, I don't want to be in, in embarrassment. I want to have a testimony. Uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, we had uh, an old church van. And we still, I think there's a couple, maybe one or around here now, but an old church van that had First Baptist Church on the side. And the, the, a team took that old van down to the cities, and they were traveling back, and they wanted to get home because I think the kids had school the next day. And so uh, the, the person that is not, he's not here now, but he was driving that van uh, 70 miles an hour, probably in a 65-mile-an-hour zone, and he passed a deacon. And when he got home, the deacon said, as long as you're driving something that says First Baptist on the side, drive the speed limit, because otherwise you're an embarrassment or you are discrediting First Baptist Church. And so uh, Paul says, I do not want to do that. He says, I want you to have an answer to those, in verse 13, who think that we are beside ourselves. Insane is really the word here. For those that say, Paul's insane. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, I, want you, I don't want you to be embarrassed. I want you to understand there. So Paul, why you do that? Respond to reward. Why do, you res- uh, why do you reach out to the lost? And Paul says, here's another thing I do. I resist living for myself. That's, uh, that's what he says in verse 14. Well, actually, it's in verse 15, but verse 14 is uh, qualifying all of this. Ver- verse 15, he says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. He says, I resist or I refuse to live for myself. Now, why would he do that? I mean, isn't the theme song of America is to live for ourselves? Have it your way? If you don't want pickles, then just say it and we won't give you pickles. I mean, you, whatever you want. We live for ourselves here in the United States. What are your plans this week? You look at your calendar, you might, look, you might say, Ugh, I think maybe I'm living for myself. Or you look at your checkbook, if you still know what one of those is. Uh, or you look at the bank records. What does that reveal? Are you living for yourself? Or are you living for someone else? Are you living for the Lord. I resist living for myself. Why? Why do you do that? Because of the love of Christ. Verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, compels us, uh, forces me into action. The love of Christ. His love, uh, my love for him and his love for me. Uh, well, how did he love me? Well, he died for me. And that's what he says there in verse 11. And 12, uh, when he said, he died for me. And, and 14, the love of Christ constrains me. And because he died for me, he died for all, and all were dead. So I, in order, in order to have life, I have to have Christ and what he's done. Verse 17, I resist living for self because I am a new creation. 
a new creature. I'm excited for Teen Challenge to come tonight. It's always, you never know what's going to happen when Teen Challenge comes. And it's going to be a, a great time. And, uh, and some of them will give their testimonies of how they became new creations. I was listening to one on the radio the other day, and, and uh, I think he will be here. Maybe he will even give his testimony on how he became a new creation. Came to Teen Challenge because he had nowhere to turn. He'd lost everything. Nowhere to turn. Lost his family, his sons. And, uh, and he came to Teen Challenge and he found Jesus Christ. And what he said on his, his testimony, it says, uh, Now God has restored my sons to me again. He's a new creation in Christ, um, I can no longer live for me. I must resist living for self. I, uh, we used to sing that song, and sometimes we do, after all he's done for me, after all he's done for me, how can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely after all he's done for me? Oh, the love of Christ compels me to live for him and not for myself. Have you ever been faced with a temptation and said, maybe out loud, Jesus, I love you more than this temptation. Jesus, I love you more than to respond to uh, something that you, you've got a quick comeback that will, will bite, will hurt somebody. And yet you stop and think, hey, hey, Jesus, I love you more than the, the feeling I would get if I got back at this person, whatever it might be. Paul, why do you do that? Well, he says, I respond to reward. I re, re, uh, reach out to the lost. I resist living for myself. And I reconcile others to God. Verse 18. I reconcile others to God. Um, it says here, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to me, or to you, the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what does it mean, reconciliation? To make peace with, to restore favor between two that are at odds with each other. And he's given unto us that ministry. And in a world today, that is pretty important, a ministry of reconciliation. Because today, there's not a lot of reconciliation going on. I mean, you're one or the other. And if you're one, you hate the other. And if you're the other, you hate the one. Isn't that, the, at least that's what is the driving force of, of news and, and uh, media today is to to draw battle lines, enemies. And Paul says, we've got a ministry of reconciliation. Do you realize, uh, if Paul was here, he would say, you know, we might think differently, but that person needs Jesus Christ. That person needs to go to heaven. Where today in this culture, it's go to hell. Ah. Uh, that ought not to be the way we feel. We're in the ministry of reconciliation. 
restoring favor between two that are at odds with one another. See, that's why do we do that? Paul, why do you do that? Well, because God reconciled me unto him. See, man walked away from God in the garden. And from that time on, there was a, a deep divide between God and man, between sin and God, a holy God. And so uh, uh, man walked away. And the only way we come back to a holy God is through reconciliation. Well, what will satisfy God for our, our uh, walking away from him, turning our backs on him, saying, I don't want you, I don't need you anymore. Uh, get out of my life. What can bring about harmony or reconciliation? The shed blood of Jesus Christ. His son took my sin, my rebellion, and he took it to the cross so that I might receive his righteousness and stand before God. Yeah, a complete change in our relationship with God. Complete change. So God brought us by faith in Christ to a peaceful relationship with God. This is a hate culture that we're living. Worse than any I have ever seen. A hate culture or a cancel culture. You, you don't agree with me, I'm going to cancel. I don't know what all that means, but I, I hear it. We're, we're just going to cancel. We're going to start a, a media campaign against you, distort or, or whatever, and so that everybody turns their backs on you. And that's the kind of culture we live in. I like what I think it was Ronald Reagan said, there are no enemies, there are just opponents. And the reason I see this, and I think he explained it, is when two football teams are out on the field, they look like they're enemies. But when the game is over, the final score is in, you see them on the sidelines shaking each other's hands. Probably because they're hoping they will be drafted or they will get called to that other team. I don't know, but they are, there are no enemies. There are just opponents. We are to be reconciling others to God. So why do you do it? Well, because I've been reconciled by God in verse 18. Because my sin hasn't been charged to my account. Because I couldn't pay it. So Jesus Christ paid it for me. And I'm grateful, Paul says, I am grateful to him for what he's done. So why do you do that? I respond to reward. I reach out to the lost. I resist living for self. I help others reconcile with God. And lastly, I, I represent Christ to this world. Verse 20, uh, I am an ambassador for Christ. I represent him um, if you have a John 3.16 bumper on your car, drive sensibly, right? Or follow me to Sunday school. Don't cut off the person in front of you intentionally. Don't uh, make gestures when somebody doesn't drive the way you think they ought to drive. Don't put a, a, a First Baptist Church sticker on your car. We don't have them, but... I know that the youth group has these thumbprints uh, on the window. And so when I see one, I think, oh, man, you know, they're, they're from First Baptist Church. So drive like it. <laughs> uh, I represent Christ to this world. 
Why do you do that? So that you will have peace with God and so that Jesus' death is not in vain. Verse 21. So whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.17. Why do you do what you do? I hope you know. And I hope you serve him like Paul did. Let's pray. Father, help us to evaluate why we do certain things. And if it's we do it because we're in the flesh, then, then shame on us. Continue to convict us. Expose our motives. Shine the light. Reveal it unto us, even as it has been revealed already unto you. So, Lord, I pray that we might be your ambassadors in good ambassadors, knowing the terror of the Lord, realizing that some will face that, many, most, will face the terror of the Lord. So might we fear you and live for you, please. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.